You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. As previously mentioned, we're coming up on our 50th episode, so excited about that. We have some great interviews coming up, as well as some terrific guest interviews, so stay tuned for those. Uh, we're also looking for millionaires to be on the show. If you're interested in being on, if you're interested in unveiling and, and discussing your net worth and your financial story, then feel free to reach out to us. Our email is millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. We're specifically looking for those that uh, make below six figures in income. We had Jeff the custodian on making 40K. He was able to reach millionaire status, and we had some terrific feedback about that. And so we're trying to get more of those interviews on the show. So feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to have you on. As always, we have some investment opportunities coming up. Uh, returns have been great. Track record with those we're partnering with has been uh, expansive. And we have deals in a co- with a couple different groups catering to those who either favor cash flow more consecutively or more of a build-out appreciation model. If you have any questions you'd like us to ask the millionaires that we interview, please feel free to reach out. We're happy to include those. We like to ask new questions, mix things up, keep keep all the listeners entertained, and, and make sure we're all learning something new. So if you, if you want to be on the show or have any questions, feel free to reach out. Our email, again, is millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. Welcome to Millionaires Unveiled Podcast. Today on the podcast, we've got the debt-free doctor. Debt-free doctor's net worth is just around $2.4 million. He's got about $250,000 in a house and then various amounts in some commercial real estate. He's got an SCP uh, IRA with his wife and an, and an IRA with his wife and a couple other investments account. We get into to his specialty, which he is in the dental field as a dental specialist. And we kind of get into his route that's taken him there and all the debt that he accumulated to get to where he is now. And, and kind of how his career path has changed over over the years. And he, he started a blog that we talk about, and we talk about his journey in getting into this massive debt, digging out a big hole, and getting to the point where he is financially free and is well on his way to multimillionaire status. So without further ado, let's get into the episode with Debt Free Doctor. Welcome to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. Today on the show, we've got the Debt Free Doctor. Debt-free doctor, do you want to just give us a little bit about your background and what you're doing now? Sure. I am a, a dental specialist in Louisiana. I uh, went to about 12 years of, uh, took me 12 years of, of schooling after uh, high school to uh, kind of get my degree. So it's it's a long route when you go uh, have to do that. But I've um, been practicing for about 12, 13 years. And uh, had a lot of debt, which which we'll we'll talk about. I know later on in the show, a lot of student loan debt, and, and uh, amongst other things. But once we were able to climb out of that, um, really inspired me to start the uh, the blog, which you just referenced, debtfreedoctor.com, uh, because of so many people that helped us along the way with financial advice with. Um, just encouraging advice um, that aspired us to really do everything that we could to get out of debt and then that way live our lives better, have more time with the kids, 
um, taking them on different experiences. And then just along the way, learning about the different ways to invest the money. You know, should we go this route or that route? So uh, that's uh, that's a brief, a very brief background of, of where I'm, I'm from. Awesome. And what's your net worth today? Well, the stock market did pretty good this week. <laughs> so um, it's up a little bit. It's about 2.4 million, roughly. And, and how is that divided? <clears throat> All right. So we uh, we own our home. Um, not a, not a huge home, but it's, it's a modest home outright. So uh, I'm going to include that in this. Um, that's roughly about $250,000, um, office building, another $200,000. Then both my wife and I have some traditional and simple IRAs, which, um, uh, around five hundred and twenty to five hundred thirty thousand dollars in all of those total. We have some uh, taxable accounts. Uh, most of our um, investments are in Vanguard index funds, and that's about nine hundred thousand in that. <clears throat> cash, we've got uh, about two hundred thousand in cash. We've got 529 plans for both of our boys, which actually uh, kind of funny. I, I took my son to the Waffle House this morning. He likes to go on Fridays before the football games, and he's 13. And he, he you know, he was asking about college. He said, "Dad, do you have enough saved up for your, you know, for him and his brother to go to college?" And I, I said, "Well, if you go to the local college, you do." So. Uh, uh, we've got one, about $140,000 total uh, saved up in 529 plans. Real estate crowdfunding and a couple of, of apartment syndicate deals have about $220,000 in that. Health savings account, $60,000. Uh, and some bonds, uh, tax-free municipal bonds, Roughly about thirty-two thousand dollars in in those. Awesome! You've got almost everything. So, are all of your your IRAs invested with Vanguard as well? Yes, they are. Okay, so you've gone the the Vanguard route. I'm assuming all index funds. Is that correct? Yeah, and I, and I kind of do. You know, most most of our um, portfolio is kind of the i guess the big three the the boglehead portfolio probably a lot of your listeners have heard about the the vanguard total stock market index the admiral fund the total bond index and then the total international uh fund so so probably the 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 bulk of our vanguard funds are in that um, vanguard total stock market index fund i would probably say 85 to 90 percent Okay. And then, then maybe five percent or less in the bond fund, and then the and then the remaining in the international, the total international stock fund. Okay. And do you invest the money that's in your HSA as well? Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because we're actually, as of last month, we're we're not able to that I know of. You guys are accountants, so maybe you can you can guide me on this. But we um, recently got rid of our. Um, health insurance because of the increased premiums that are just going out of this world. 
<clears throat> and we recently started doing uh, MediShare, which is like a Christian medical sharing for health insurance. And mm-hmm. at, at, that I know of, I don't believe that you can do a health savings account with that. But do you invest the money in that in that HSA, or you just keep it all in cash? It's in Vanguard mutual okay. funds. So I just want to review here. This is this is pretty crazy. I think you're probably one of our most diversified uh, guests so far. So you've got your house, office space, IRAs, some taxable accounts. Um, you know, you got the whole gamut here. Some some real estate crowdfunding, some apartments, HSA, five twenty nine cash. I mean, that's pretty wild. Uh, when did you? How did you kind of start realizing this is how you want to diversify your portfolio? How did it start? Maybe let's dive into that that uh, debt-free story and build from there. Do, do you want me to kind of start how we got into debt and then kind of lead lead up to the present? Is that kind of what you want? or? Yeah, yeah, let's okay. do that. So I accumulated roughly about $250,000 in student loan debt, which was mainly dental school and my residency. I college were able to, my parents, and then with a scholarship was paid for. So I was lucky with that. I, during college, during high school and college, I'd started a, a lawn service, which kind of gave me the, the work, work ethic I have now, which I was able to save up some money. And I, I really don't know back then how I started investing in mutual funds. I don't know if I was just reading money magazines or, or listening to other people, but in college, I started investing some of that money that I was making mowing yards into mutual funds. But the, the way that I picked them back then was to to look at, you know, go, go to Money Magazine and, and look at what the highest one was doing, you know, one that was doing the best. And, oh, okay, I'm going to do that one, not knowing anything about it. So that's, that's kind of how I started with investing. So once I got... Uh, finished with dental school and my residency. I don't want to go into uh, and take up a lot of time, but but roughly the the practice I was supposed to join, the deal fell through two weeks before graduation. Oh, yeah. So we had two hundred fifty thousand in student loans. We had a two month old. My wife and I now did not have a job, and we had already two months before purchased a home because I knew a banker and he, he knew the group that I was going to be practicing with. So he said, well, I, I know, I know them, they're good for it. So this was like in 05 when they were just, you know, giving money left and right, you know, the banks for real estate. Oh, you're going to be a doctor. Yeah. We'll, we'll give you whatever. So he gave us an interest only loan for the house. So before I even started, you know, we were close to half a million in debt with, no job, not knowing how to start a business, nothing. So if you look at everything before that, while I was in school, you know, I'm looking at it from a totally different aspect. I'm looking at it from, Oh, you know, great. I'm getting out. I'm going to, I'm going to get to make some money now. I'm going to buy, you know, I want to, you know, get this and, you know, get, join this hunting camp and, you know, do this and that and get a boat and all that. And then literally within a, phone call once once they tell me the deal fell through it just totally changed to how am i going to make it how am i going to get out of all this debt how am i going to start a practice so 
it, I really, I really started, I just want everybody to, that are listening to this. I really started, you know, kind of behind the eight ball, so to speak. So fast forward a few years, I was able to rent some space. Um, a, a guy really helped me, uh, another dental specialist. He helped me to network with people, kind of taught me the ropes, wound up purchasing the, the building that I'm in now. And along the way, I was kind of writing down what they did not teach me in dental school as far as the business aspect. Because I mean, I'm sure a lot of your listeners, you know, they've gone to school, but they don't really know the business side of of what they're getting into, maybe especially the healthcare professionals. So I started writing it all down and, and wound up that that was the, the one of my books that I um, self-published on uh, Amazon on create space. So basically it's titled what they don't teach you in dental school. And it's just basically, it's a very basic book, but it's exactly what the title says. All, all of the business side and, and setting up a practice and everything that goes into it that's non-clinical. And, uh, you know, kind of during that time period, really the only thing that we could do were be traditional IRAs because, uh, you know, as we were paying down debt, you know, I, I got into the, the Dave Ramsey world, luckily. And where we were a little bit different was he's like, hey, don't do any investing before you get out of debt. But I knew that I, I had so much debt. I was like, man, I don't want to lose all these years of, of saving money and missing out on compound interest. So we were able to, you know, just do traditional IRAs just for the first few years of practice. And then as my income started to grow, we switched over to Vanguard simple IRAs as well. And then we didn't do the traditional. And then we were able to, you know, start the, you know, kind of other stuff that I rattled off the, the HSA, the 529s, and then anything above and beyond that after we funded those, we would just put it in the t- Vanguard taxable accounts, mutual funds. Wow. So let me just back up here. So 250 in, in school debt. How did you keep your focus and say, you know, I'm not going to throw it in? How did you say, I'm going to keep going? I, I'm going to pay this off. I'm going to fight to pay it off. What was your attitude or how did, did it, was it something that you just kind of, that's how it always was or did... How did that happen? How'd you maintain that focus? A good question. The and I, and I didn't know anything about student loans. I, I don't really know a whole lot about them now because it's been a while since I've paid them off. But I want to say that when we got out, that they automatically put us the majority of them on like maybe a thirty-year payoff. And I don't know if that's still the way that it is. But for your listeners with student loans, you may want to check your statement and see how long your payoffs for. And I was thinking to myself, I don't want to be paying on a student loan for 30 years. And then that was kind of the time that I started listening to what Dave Ramsey was telling his, you know, the, the people that were calling in, Hey, I've got all this student loan debt. He's like, man, knock it out. If you can, as quick as you can, two to three years, cut your lifestyle to nothing. And I was kind of already doing that, but I still was on the 30 year plan. So I'm a very visual guy. So I just wrote down the, you know, the, the amount on a little, you know, dry erase board in in our little home office and just kind of figured out, well, this is how much I can throw at it every month. And then 
this is when I would be able to get out of debt roughly. Now it did, it didn't kind of work out like that because, you know, as you, you know, as you proceed in life, you know, you, your kids get a little more expensive, you know, your wife wants to, or at least my wife wanted, you know, some different things and go on some different trips and kind of life gets in the way as he says, but you know, that 30 years that we would have paid it off, it shrunk down to about seven, seven and a half roughly. Wow. So, uh, and I, I'm, I'm really glad that we did that. And there's, there's, you know, I know there's different trains of thoughts. Oh, well, you know, it's only 3% interest or whatever, but that to me, it's more psychological. It's, you know, waking up going, I don't owe anybody nothing. And it's a good feeling. And you can have all these different loans and you can be telling yourself, oh, well, it's only 2% or 3% interest and I'm going to do this and that. That's fine. I'm not telling what people, I'm not telling what you should do. I'm telling you what I did and why. So what was your payment on both the student loans and the house? What did that come to each month? The, the house note was only about sixteen, seventeen hundred $1,700 roughly. And this, I, I really don't even remember what the student loan, the, you know, what the minimum student loan payment was. I mean, it was, I, I really, if, if I tell you, I would be lying. So I really don't remember what it was, but I, I do know that, you know, we were, you know, started throwing a couple thousand dollars a month at it. And then it got up to the point where it was like a competition for me. I mean, you know, if I had a good month, I'd throw seven, $8,000 at it in a month. And, but some months it would be a lot less than that. So it was just whatever I had left over after, again, after fully funding the, the simple IRA for both my wife and I for that month. And then the 529 HSA, whatever was pretty much left over, I would put that huge chunk at the student loan. And then as you can imagine, once it was paid off, I had all of that money that I was throwing at it. It really didn't take that much longer to pay the house off. Yeah. And you, you said that a dentist kind of helped you when that first option fell through. Did you start your own practice right away or did you jump into something with that guy or what was your, what was that first job? The, the other dental specialist, he was a different type of specialist, but I, I rented office space from him and he pretty much taught me the ropes, you know, how to kind of, I just kind of looked at what he did and, and I was luckily able to share his staff with him. You know, I could, we both use the same receptionist. We both use the same auxiliary um, employees and, until I was able to grow my practice and then hire my own and then eventually move on. But it was, you know, helped me out a lot because, again, I didn't have to take out a big practice. I didn't have to take out any practice loans or anything like that, which a lot of people do because, I, man, I was just loaned out. I, I didn't, I didn't want to do that. Right, right. And how long did it take you to build it up and to build a solid client base? And It took uh, – I rented from him for about three years, three and a half years, to the point where I was comfortable to – to go and and I actually I rented the building that I'm in for the first year just to make sure that I liked everything about it because there was always an option to purchase it. And then after that first year of renting, I went ahead and purchased the the office that I'm currently in now. Gotcha. So, what's your biggest piece of advice to somebody either in your situation or you know even if they have you know fifty thousand in in student loan debt? What advice do you give to people to to pay that off? Well, uh, I mean, uh, the, 
I, I like using the the proverb that Dave Ramsey always uh, talks about on the show. You know, the the borrower is slave to the lender, and I don't like to be a slave to anybody, and and, and I don't want people out there that that have to wake up in the morning and go, man, I have to go to work because I owe all of these people. So I would do everything that that I can or could to get out of whatever debt that that they're in. And then after that, I mean, you're so much, it it kind of frees you up to going, well, should should I stay in the job I'm currently in? Because maybe they got that job just because it was a little bit higher paying than something that they truly liked. So, you know, with me now that I've, uh, you know, kind of started this blog on on investing and, and that sort of thing. You know, it's it's starting to open up other doors, like getting an interview from you guys and, you know, getting contact. So I really don't know where uh, God is going to lead me next down the road. You know, I mean, it's opened up so many doors. So the point being is once you get out of debt, you, you, you won't, you have no idea how, what type of what, how many doors could potentially open up because now you're you're focused on pursuing what you really or what you really want to do in life. Yeah, that's awesome. So, on on that note, where do you go from here? You've got a great net worth, got a great income, got out of debt, got this blog started. Is there a target net worth, a target passive income amount? You know. Any, any target retirement date? Where do you go from here? That's a good question. I, I'm the type of person that I'm, I'm never going to, quote, retire from doing something. You can ask my wife. If I sit around for a couple of days, I drive her nuts. <laughs> so uh, I, um, I'm looking at potentially maybe working in, in the practice for another, you know, maybe 10, 15 years, and then maybe bringing in somebody to, to kind of transition out. But, um, with something else that, that this has allowed me to do is really give a lot more, um, especially with my services. Um, for instance, there was somebody, um, at our church that their nephew has a lot of health problems. I had a young guy too, had a kidney and pancreas transplant, diabetes, lost his vision in one eye. And because of a lot of that, he had to get all of his teeth removed. Well, he had some of them removed, but now he needs the rest of them removed. And he wanted to be, you know, sedated, put to sleep. And and they were started a GoFundMe account for that. And I, and I contacted the guy and I said, you know, I contacted my friend and I said, look, you know, I want to help out and He's like, okay. I said, look, I just want to do all the work. You know, I'll just do it for free. And it was just like, you had given this family like a million dollars. To me, it's not a big deal because, you know, once you're in this position of not owing anybody, whatever type of services that you do or know, it's, it's just a lot easier. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it when you're in debt at all, but it's just once you're out of debt, it's so much easier just to give. You kind of just you're not really thinking about money as much. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. You're able to share more. So uh, I, I plan on doing more of that, you know, moving forward. As far as a target net worth, I really I really had never started tracking my net worth at all and just until 
the last few months when I started my blog and I kind of noticed that was a lot of people were doing that. So, I, um, uh, you know, a target, I really don't have a target. Um, you know, right now, like I said, it's about 2.4 million, you know, 10 million sounds pretty good to me, but I'm not, I know I'm not going to need that much. So a target, I really don't have a target. Good stuff. And is there any, you know, with some of this real estate or anything else, is there, is there a target amount that you're essentially going to try to, you know, live on passively at some point in the future? The, um, now I, I started off doing some real estate crowdfunding with some of the, the kind of the quote, larger sites on the internet, um, realty shares, patch of land. But, um, some of those deals have done well, but some of them are just kind of in the stalling phase. And I, and I've learned a lot just from going through the process. And it's really about look, you know, doing your due diligence, looking at the, the sponsor, looking at their history, uh, you know, the, the person that's actually doing the deal that's purchasing the, 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 uh, real estate. And, and I, I, lucky enough to come across a guy that is doing um, mainly kind of in the Dallas area, uh, apartment syndicate deals. And I've done uh, two with him in the last year and a half. So I think moving forward, I'm, I'm probably going to do more with, you know, as far as my quote, real estate, I, I'm going to kind of do more with that with him because, you know, he, he, he has skin in the game. He puts, uh, you know, he puts his money in the deal, whereas some of these other sponsors, you know, they don't. They just kind of, you know, get people to 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 invest, and and they they don't have any part of it. But he actually invests with his investors, which I like. Uh, you know, once they close on the deal, within about a month, month and a half, you you start getting your distribution every month. Now, I have I haven't uh, I haven't been with him long enough to see how it is once they three to five years later, sell the, the apartments to, to see how that split up. Cause you know, you get a profit on the back end too of the, of the, um, what the, uh, apartment sells for. So if, if you, you know, if you reach out to me in a couple of years, you know, I can, I can fill you in on how that goes. But <laughs> to me, um, you know, that's, that's a pretty cool. And I, I never really knew about, that side of the real estate I always thought, Hey, you had to be a, you know, a physical land Lord own the house, own the apartment building, own the whatever. And I kind of toyed with that a little bit, but I didn't, um, I just, I just didn't really have time to do it. And just after talking to patients and people that I know that were have, you know, physical real estate and, and that's pretty much their main job. And it's for me, it would just be hard to have a practice you know, have a family life, you know, you know, still be involved with kids and their sport activities. And then, you know, dealing with people that are trashing your, you know, rent house or whatever. Cause I, I hear horror stories and I just didn't want to deal with that. So luckily I was able to, to, uh, to find this aspect of, of real estate where you can still quote own part of the real estate, but, um, not have to deal with all that landlord sure. issues. Sure. And just so our listeners know, how much did you put into each of those deals and, and perhaps what's your projected IRRs and, and payout or cash flow monthly from that? The first two that I ever did, we'll see, one of them was maybe $2,000. And then I, I wound up doing a couple for 10000 each. Um, 
one of the deals with Realty Shares uh, was an apartment deal in Oklahoma, maybe that was a fifty. That was the first time I've done a fifty thousand dollar investment, and that was a year ago. And it's it, because of the the people that own that are running apartments and trying to get it leased and this and that, it, it still hasn't done anything. So it's just been sitting there. So that was kind of my learning experience from not doing my due diligence that, you know, you get updates from them, you know, periodically, Hey, you know, this is what's going on. They're, they're trying to do this and that, but, um, that kind of led me to, uh, the, you know, the gentleman in Dallas, which his, his, the minimum are $50,000, and that I'm getting roughly about uh, 8% a month that hits my bank account. And then they're projected 20, 25% whenever it sells, roughly, they'll be split amongst the investors. And then the other, you know, the kind of the smaller crowdfunding deals that have been paying me, those have been paying um, about 8 to nine, I think there there's one that that I just kind of lucked up on that was eleven point two five percent, and it's been paying for about a year and a half. And that's eight uh, percent annually paid out monthly, right? Correct. Gotcha. So I want to just ask you bluntly here. You've obviously had quite the journey from being significant amount in debt to, to being very successful financially now, was that whole journey worth it? Do you advise doctors and dentists and, and people in those professions to do it or, or what's your take? To to actually to to go to school and go through through it or what Yeah. What if, yeah, correct. Yeah, if, if that's if that's what your passion is or that's what your calling is, yeah, for sure. Uh, I wouldn't you know it's it's the kind of the people think about, oh man, if I could just get to this age or if I could just get to to where I can retire or if I could just get this amount of money. And that's what they're thinking about. But, you know, mm-hmm. literally any book that you read now, you know, it's, it's, and, and then they interview people about, are you, are you happier now or, or when you were working or happier when you're retired or, or what? Most of them say, you know, it, it's not the, where you're going going it's kind of the journey along the way you know kind of the take time smell the roses sort of thing because you know as you know once once you get something once you buy a new car or buy a new house or you know buy a new boat or whatever you you may be thinking about it for years and saving up for it or whatever but once you get it what happens you know it's the and, and I actually the reason why I kind of know a little bit about this I just researched a uh, uh, what for one of my blog posts, the, the hedonic treadmill. And it's just kind of the rat race, you know, that, that, that no matter what you got, you were always wanting more, you know, you, you get it. You know, uh, one of the things that I remember from years ago when Tom Brady r- won the Super Bowl, he not only won the Super Bowl, but he was the MVP and they interviewed him on TV. I mean, right after he won and got the MVP award and they're like, you know, what do you think? And, you know, what, what are you, what are you doing next? Or, or how do you feel or whatever? And he's like, well, if this is all that is to it, then, I mean, there just has to be more to life than this because he just, he just won all this stuff and he still wasn't happy. So the, the, my point being is just enjoy 
you know, going, going to school, you know, meeting people, making connections and, and your kids and, and all the activities. And if, as long as you enjoy what you're doing, I would say stick with it. But if you don't, life is too short to be miserable to get up every morning to go to a job you don't like to do just because it may be pay well. So just make sure that you really, truly enjoy what you do. Yeah, I think it's great advice. Before we jump into some rapid fire questions here, has the financial security increased your your confidence and happiness levels overall? Yeah, I would I would definitely say it it has. It's just nice not owing anybody anything. But from from a different aspect, I'm I mean I'm I'm happy now just because of of connections and family and friends more than I have am with my net worth. So it, it you know the 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 amount of money that I have. Uh, if it's if you're just looking at it from that aspect, no. But it's every like I said, everything along the way that has transpired to get here. That's kind of what has has made me happier. Gotcha. Okay, I'm just going to dive into some rapid fire uh, millionaire questions here. So, the most expensive jeans or pants that you've ever purchased? <laughs> oh, it actually that's a good question. That was actually a couple of uh, this summer when my wife and I took her to the uh, uh, Miami to go uh, to a tennis resort for her birthday and the place that we were going out to eat one night all I brought was sh- shorts so <laughs> I and this is six o'clock at night she's telling me well you you have you can't wear that you got to wear jeans I'm like where am I going to get jeans at six o'clock at night she's like go down the lobby it's like do you know how much money that's going to cost so <laughs> I've always spent about 40 bucks on jeans. I had to spend about $210 for the pair of jeans, but I will say they are pretty nice, but not that nice. <laughs> I hope the dinner was good too. <laughs> it was good. Uh, most expensive shoes. Um, actually I just started playing basketball again, even though I am over 40, I'm an old man. And, uh, this summer, uh, excuse me, last fall I purchased, I'm a Michael Jordan guy. And I purchased a pair of like some old Air Jordan, kind of a remake classic deal. And those were like 300 bucks. But, but usually they're, I usually pay about 80 to $100 for shoes, but it was quite a bit more for those. Okay. Most expensive car? That would be my wife's vehicle. And it was $55,000. Okay. Most expensive meal out that you've paid for? Just for the two of us or for like a group? Uh, let's do the two of you. Two of us. Um, uh, our favorite restaurant, which was about 500 bucks. Okay. Uh, what item or items are worth spending more money on? 100, 100% for us, it's travel. It's experiences for our family and kids. Okay. Uh, what's not worth the money? What are you a little cheaper on? Hmm. My wife's probably not going to like this, but it's, it's my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was your high school and college GPA? High school. Actually, they were both about three, five roughly. Okay. Uh, predicted retirement age and net worth. We got to that, uh, your range of income through your working life as much as you're comfortable sharing. Well, when I was mowing yards, I was uh, making about a thousand, eight hundred to a thousand dollars a week, you know, in the spring and summer. Then um, 
you know, when I first started off was pretty much nothing. And the first three years I got up to, cause I was working several jobs, got up to 150 to $180,000. Um, and then slowly but surely, you know, it got a little bit more, a little bit more to now it's probably, I'll just kind of give a range, um, 500 to 700,000, somewhere in there. Awesome. What, what mistakes have you made along the way? I don't think we have enough time in this podcast to go over that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like I mentioned, some of the crowdfunding um, just not doing my due diligence with that. Um, I, I have a, uh, a kind of a side business where I help kind of coach other healthcare professionals with, with their marketing and with their practice and that sort of thing. Well, when I was getting going with that, I had hired some people that told me that they were going to do something and they wind up not doing it again, not doing my due diligence. So I had I'd spent, you know, thousands of dollars hiring them. Um, so for, I think for me, it's, it's, I, I guess I put too much trust in people. I mean, if, if I'm a kind of a man of my word, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. But unfortunately there's a lot of people out there that are not like that. So, um, I, I would say it was pro- it's probably from hiring people and not knowing their background or not talking to other people that they've worked with first. That's great advice. Awesome. Debt-free doctor with a net worth of $2.4 million. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks Thanks a lot for Thank having you. me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.